Welcome to our first podcast with a staff member. Eduardo Torres is here with us. Eduardo, why don't you introduce yourself? Oh, you just did. You, you said my yeah, name. I did, um, but who are yeah, you? Yeah, no. So uh, my name's uh, Eduardo Torres. I'm an English teacher here at Fishers High School. Um, it's my second year at Fishers High School. I spent uh, my first 14 years on the south side of Indianapolis uh, before I came to, came to Fishers. So that's, that's pretty much me in a nutshell. Well, but there's more to you. I mean, they're really, <laughs> I know that sounds <laughs> weird. Bit. Yeah, no, I, um, let's, I, let's I get started into what you do. Some of the things that you would identify yourself as. I do a lot. I really, <laughs> early on in my career, um, extracurriculars are important. I think that if you, uh, my personal philosophy in terms of like, you know, when you're in, in teacher school and you have to write your educational philosophy like a mm. hundred times. Every teacher yes. that hears this right now is going, going oh, oh yes. they probably still have copies of that paper someplace. Yeah, they probably have the Google searches. <laughs> exactly. The bookmarked websites are like, oh, that's a good one. <laughs> when you go get your master's, you have to like write it again. Um, so anyway, so the, a large part of, of, of my belief as a teacher is that, you know, seeing the whole student, not just the student in the classroom, but, but that involvement in the extracurriculars helps helps the student grow just as much um so i, I don't just say that I, I believe it so i i try to do uh, as many extracurricular activities as possible always have um, i started out as a theater teacher um and so like currently at fishers i um i coach cross country uh, or this year this year for the uh what, 17 18 school year i, I coached mm -hmm. girls cross i helped coach girls cross country um i assistant directed the fall play I was an assistant coach for the speech team. I um, also run a community service organization um, called Students in Action, and I'm an assistant coach for track. So, um, is that is that it? Is that all you I do? I, th I think so. <laughs> I think so. Um, and I think that there's, you know, I think there's high value. I think I think everyone has to approach their job, no matter what it is. Um, no matter what their job is, in, in a way that they feel that they can they can do their best. And I feel my involvement in multiple things allows me to be the best at my job. So, or allows cool. me to be my best at my job. Mm, that's, a, that's a good wording. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so we're gonna get into the idea of, um, first of all, this whole podcast is to help us learn how to podcast. So absolutely, we're just, we're just gonna be transparent in recording that. Also, I feel like, I don't know if it's recording low or high, but I um, I want to make clear that we're also going to be recording the uh, foundation for future podcasts. Like, why did these future podcasts that we're going to have happen? Like, what was the event that that happened to create the future of our podcasts? Yeah. So you are... You are the guy. So. It's all it's all your fault. So, <laughs> no, so it it I really will is. It really is. So, um, it, anyone who's walked into to our media center, which I I utilize a lot, I, I've always utilized the the media center. I think it's a I think it's a it's a great sp space to to either show off kids' work or or give them a different area to work. So, anyone that's ever utilized our media center knows you know where that that high table is, um, where where you and and Miss Inaba um have your computer and then behind it by the windows 
there's a, a shelf that just you know collects different things based on on projects you have going on on in the media center and everything you order ends up on top of that that book uh, that bookcase mm -hmm. so anyway so I have come to know it as oh these are the new books that have come that have come in mm -hmm. so um, you had the book Between the World and Me by Ta-Nehisi Coates on there and I was like oh I want to read this and I thought that it was for the library but you told me it was for the the equity team mm -hmm. um, and I was like oh no I think it's a great book and I was really excited um, so anyway, I decide that I was going to download the book. And while mm -hmm. I was on the exercise bike, uh, I was going to listen. You're fit. That's to, good. The, to the book. Um, and I got so upset <laughs> listening, like sincerely just angry and agitated listening to the book. And I probably, I didn't know why. Like, I definitely, at, at first when it started, did not really comprehend why I was mad. But I was, I was legitimately angry. Um, and then there just, then just phases went over. And, and anyone who hasn't read the book um, should. They, 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 mm -hmm. they should read the book. And it's not like, it's not the end-all, be-all of all books that deal with things of, of race or equity. But it's a really interesting perspective on it. Mm -hmm. And it's very well written. Um, and there's a lot of humanity inside of the book. So anyway, so I realized first and foremost, I am upset because I am thinking about things that I grew up with that I hadn't thought about in a long time. So I, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, um, and I grew up in the Red Hook section of Brooklyn. And while currently uh, Red Hook Brooklyn is is one of the poster children for gentrification. Mm -hmm. It was not that when I grew up. And I always tell, I've told people for years, you know, it was my house, a Protestant church, and a crack house. And, and that's not a sob story. That's just a reality of, of, of where I grew up. So there was a lot of, of, of protection from my family in terms of how we viewed sort of the, what, what was past our stoop. Um, and Coates goes into this concept about ownership of your body. And he, he's in, he grew up in Baltimore, and he talks about this one particular incident. I won't get into details uh, you know, or spoil it for people who want to read it, but the concept is that his perception as a minority, and one that I would agree with, is that you never have full control over your own body, whether, whether that is from the, the stereotypical race conversations that we have of, of, of white versus non-white, or it's the concept that if you grow up in, in certain environments, um, it's a power struggle. So, you know, the, the perceived power inside of the community belongs to someone else. And you either fight for that perceived power or, or you're one of the people that power is taken away from. Um, so it's this concept that, that you don't own your, your, your own body. Um, and it really hit me hard. Um, and I don't, you know, and there's probably 101 reasons, right? Um, that are, that are, there's, there's mm -hmm. probably 99 reasons that are mine and mine alone, but then there's the ultimate responsibility that we have first as educators. And then as I'm sort of, well, as I, Mm -hmm. it, it's 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 the responsibilities that we have as educators but it's also the responsibility that i have as a minority um 
And I remember, like, as I dove into this conversation, I told you, I was like, I'm done. I'm on the bench. Mm -hmm. I don't want to deal with any of this right. anymore. Um, and part of it is because, and here's my frustration. My frustration with, um, I'm going to use the term our community, and I'm not calling out fishers because I don't think we're special in, in this regard. Mm -hmm. um, but my frustration with our community is that we perceive conformity as acceptance and unity. And it's not like, like we, we teach our kids to conform across the board, right? And like, let's take a step back for a second. So okay. like, I can't have you sit here and listen to the conversation mm -hmm. and you constantly come from a place of white guilt. The words that come out of yeah. my mouth. I'm glad you brought that up because okay. that was Go something ahead. that when you first came to me after you read the book. <laughs> but also, I'm going to back up just a little bit just to keep this as a conversation, too. But you and I had a conversation about, like, why did I have the books? And the point was is that the equity team had discussed the idea of having a book, one book, one school, that centered on the conversation of race. Like we had chosen that filter to push out equity work because we equity work is you know a lot of things, and race is one of those ways to look at equity in a in a community. So we had I was telling you how hey what do you think about this? We decided not to push it out because everybody's not there and it might cause discomfort that we aren't ready to deal with if we push it out. And then that's where I saw more of a reaction from you, where you were like, you know, why? Why is it, why is it that uh, we're trying to shelter people and leave them in their comfort of what you just said, conformity as unity? And, um, and so after having picked up the book and then you, you know, you took it and you, you listened and I just, I, when you came back mad, it was... It was really, for me, it made me understand a little bit more of your question at, the, uh, at that first conversation of why. Why is it okay to say don't do a book club or a one book, one school because you don't want the community to be uh, uncomfortable? You don't want to be upset? And so that's, that's one of the things that I thought when you just said that, it brought back that conversation for me. And it brought back that anchor of why is it okay for all of our minorities to be uncomfortable all the time every day, but we stop every time we do equity work to say, oh, we might make some people upset and they might feel uncomfortable and are we ready to deal with that? But we never stop to say, is what we're doing every day, all day, uncomfortable for our minority students or staff? So that's something that I'm just gonna interject right no, there. No, ab absolutely, and, and we have to get to that point. And, and that's, that's kind of where the podcast stemmed from. You know, we had that conversation and, you know, so really what is the response, you know, what is the responsibility? And, you know, I, my skills to teach, right? My skills to educate. And, and part of my, part of the way I go about educating is I want there to be questions and I want you to really think about what that question is. So it's funny when, when we started the podcast thing, it wasn't about people listening to the podcast. It's actually about the people that won't listen to the podcast. And then the exactly. question, you know, so like my hope, my hope on the podcast is that the people that do listen to it will turn to their peers and say, hey, did you listen to that podcast? And when the question's no, we explore the multitude of reasons why. 
uh, you know, why why don't you listen to the podcast? Do you are the does the subject matter bother you? Um, do you think that you're past it? Are we as do you feel like we as a society are past it? Are we just hashing up old issues? Is it intimidating to you? I don't know. I mean, but those but those are real conversations that we need to have because one of the things that people need to get on both sides, right? The, right. Your perception is your reality. So you can sit here and you can tell me, well, Eduardo, that's that's not how it is. No, what I'm t- I'm not telling I'm not telling you how society is. I'm telling you how I live every day and view society through my eyes. And, and that's that's important and powerful. Like you, you know, people people are hurt or people are guarded. And there's a reason that people are hurt and guarded. And that's not your fault. But mm-hmm. it needs to be acknowledged. And then if if the conversation is real, if like, hey, that's not, you know, we and it's so funny, right? Because then you break down these conversations and mm-hmm. you know, they're my perception is that there are people that may listen to this and never have really associated me with being minority before. And then to my my question is, well, how? And like, right. I'm not making this up. Like, I, I've had conversations with people. They're like, wow, I never really thought of you as a minority. My name's Eduardo. My last name's <laughs> Torres. Like, it's it's right down the resume. Like, you can't, you can't hide from that. Um, and then there's like the litany of awkward conversations that we have. Like, well, you don't speak Spanish. Is that is that a deciding factor as to whether or not right. I'm a minority? Um, I didn't think it was, but right. And then it what it does is it when you when those conversations are had with with me, right? Because I'm not going to speak for everyone. When those conversations are had with me, it makes me wonder. Like you, you take part of my existence, part of my growing up in a Puerto Rican family around a Puerto Rican culture, you take part of that away. And and even though you're accepting me into whatever this other culture is, I feel like it negates part of who I am as an individual in terms of understanding me. And and I, I think we all do that. Look, I'm I'm by no means am I enlightened, right? We all do it. We put people in categories because the categories make us comfortable. So whether mm-hmm. You know, wh- whether for me that's the category of New Yorker or eccentric or theater person, it just it we fit in categories and it makes us more comfortable. But the question is, how do those categories sort of cross over to make the the individual that's in front of them? Right. And to circle back, because I I a little interrupted, I believe. Um, when I was talking about you, you I entered in when you were talking about white guilt. Oh yes. And um, so. To circle back to that comfort and and being comfortable, so that you know you bringing that up, it's it's one of those things where, you know, we do find comfort in our own categories, and we not only feel comfort but we feel justified and that we we can defend it, and I think um, one of the points of our podcast of hearing the minority voices, at especially the reaction to the words in the book is that you know, don't come with your discomfort and justify it. Don't justify your white guilt by saying, well, you know, I I have friends, you know, who are minorities. You're you're my friend. You know, that's, it's one of those things where I feel like 
when you say the words, don't come to me with your white guilt, that's where people are going to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Right. Here's oh, angry man of color, <laughs> you know, and yeah. I am trying here. But I, I think what needs to be understood with that comment is don't come to me with your white guilt as a justification of staying the way we are. Don't right. don't sit in your white guilt and be like, I'm so sorry that this is the way it is. It's about identifying, yes, I have white guilt. I have to do something differently. Yeah, I, I should do something differently. Absolutely. And and again, like I, that, you know, obviously there are people that, that if, if, you know, if this podcast plays straight through the interview, there are people that hit the white guilt part and, and either are still contemplating or thinking about that or may have just stopped it, you know, because they don't like where it's coming from. And one of the things when, when we're going to, if we're going to have an open conversation about it, um, you know, what you what you need to do is listen and you don't need to justify the purpose which is what you're saying um but you need to listen and and think about the whole picture the same way that i need to listen and think about the whole picture too because you know knowledge knowledge is brought about via a, a level of exposure right and and since we don't have hard race conversations all we have is our exposure and if i'm exposed to something in a certain way then, then that becomes my my educational base so when you have someone who doesn't have that same level of exposure and they're giving you their interpretation um then listening becomes becomes important and it, it doesn't it doesn't matter what that is and it's funny because we do that really really well when like our foreign exchange students come um, or, or we go visit other countries or vice versa. We do that really, really well in terms of absorbing what they have. We don't necessarily do that well when it comes to, to matters of race or gender, um, not, not to the same degree. Right. Um, right. So, it, you know, it's interesting, you know, can you pull yourself out of the conversation to see how other people see the same things you're looking at? Exactly. So. All right. So... To get back to the podcast, I mean, what else would we want to like document here so we can, you know, I guess archive it as right. this is where it all started. This is what it came from. And this is hopefully what will happen next. So, yeah, the, the podcast stems from a series of um, conversations that I had with you that were that were just just me sort of venting my frustration. So after sort of processing our conversations, mm -hmm. I said, okay, so let's take, let's take a level of action. Let's, let's show people, because here's, I wanted people to hear the minorities in our building, or at least some of the minorities in our building, to get an understanding of what, of the diversity of individuals that we have. Um, right. There's not, we come from different backgrounds, we have different experiences, we even have different views on these topics. <gasps> I know it's crazy. You mean one it's doesn't speak for all? No, it, no. So that was really interesting. And then, um, so anyway, I, I, so I did what I hate, right? I put a list mm -hmm. of minorities together <laughs> to ask them, um, if they would do the podcast and look, it's not perfect, right? Like, like my level of cultural insensitivity on this, I'm acknowledging is high. Um, there are, and I found this out actually after the fact, I missed certain minorities in the building. 
Um, I feel like that's partially my fault because you okay. did ask I'm me. I'm not going to blame you for that. That's and I, d- I, I didn't do my proper due but diligent that's, research. But right, but like that speaks volumes, right? Because because even though I can see things that that I don't think are right inside of our day to day operations with our minority population, I fall under that level of conformity as well. Um, and and that's that's really important to understand about yourself. So anyway, so the fascinating thing. So I go and I have conversations with nine, uh, nine minorities in, in the building. Um, or maybe it's eight, including myself, makes nine, whatever. So I, I go and have these conversations and I start out by saying, I'm, I'm, over, um, I'm over us uh, accepting conformity as racial equality. And I maybe get 20 seconds past that statement and every person was like, yes, I'm in and had their sort of own instant reason or story that they want to tell. And there's a real moment for me because here I've been in this building for two years just nodding my head and being quiet about that. And prior to this building, I, I was quiet about it in, in other buildings as well. And here's a, here's a population of people that have something to say and no one has ever asked them to say it. Because in, in reflecting back on what you just said, you know, how, how great of a conversation is that? If you look at our equity team in most buildings... They are white because this community is mainly white. It's a mainly white community, and the majority of the staff in the buildings is white. So you have your white you know, equity team going to your you know, one to two. Has it increased over the years? Yes. But over the last 13 years, I haven't worked in a building with more. This is the first year I've worked in a building with more than three minority teachers. It, before, there was one. And when I started in this district, that was the one in the district. Which is, which is crazy. And, and there's all kinds of questions for that. Like how many minorities actually go into education? How many minorities mm-hmm. go into education and live in suburban areas? Like mm-hmm. there, there's all kinds of questions that, that go with that. Right. But, you know, another thing in terms of asking the question, you know, I um, look uh, there's part of me that's very uncomfortable with having this conversation based on what society puts out there as potential repercussions. And, and you and I have looped around yes. those conversations yes. and, and we can dive into those more. But the most, the most telling thing to me, and, and, and to some degree affirming as to why this is something that needs to be done. Um, and you were there, because I called you I called you and Mark Williams over yep. when my student said it. I was talking to one of my students about how I was launching my own service project, the same way I challenged my kids to do service projects to raise awareness or, or, or do good for people in the world. And I said, okay, so this is what I'm doing, and I'm doing this podcast, and we're going to discuss racial issues in terms of the school and the district and the community. And this, is, this is a very – she's a high flyer. She's a very, very smart girl. Um, she will be a world changer, and she's product of our, of our school district. And she says, well, okay, but don't get fired. And the fact that we have, even if it's one kid, right, but I'm sure she's not the only one, the fact that we have kids that think that me, as a minority, having honest and frank minority conversations could lead to me getting fired is just eye-opening on the conversations we haven't had. Right. 
and this is this is the piece for me is that you know here i am a white female you know obviously we're not talking about gender right now we're talking about race so i fit in the the power group you know i'm the one who i have power in this building in this community in this society so it's super easy for me to be like yeah do it do this this is the right thing we need this and to to say to you no no they would not fire you for for being honest and open and willing to share but then that's just that to me is just ignorant to to not say who am i to not have ever been you know of any other color who am i to say you won't get um singled out or under a microscope by saying something that people don't like and don't want to hear and don't want pointed out and you know who am i to say that oh no they're gonna want to hear it like have they wanted to hear it before and if so why haven't they asked before and why haven't they made sure that those voices have been heard so that piece is still the to me pandora's box like we're gonna open it and we're just gonna hope it works out okay yeah and it's funny because i i think it's so interesting, right? Because essentially what happens now, you know, when, when people listen to this and they find out that this is going on, right? The way I see it is there's two schools <laughs> of thought, potentially. Like, one is, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's absolutely something that, um, that Torres would talk about because they've spoken to me. Right. And then the other side is why well, I never really I never really thought about that and now it becomes more more you know for lack of a better term cautious conversation because we pulled back something that you've never never thought about um, because you've never you've never had a conversation with the whole me mm. and that's you know and that's a whole nother episode it, is, it really story. It, it really it really is and and I mean and you know I think from a you know I, I think from a community aspect whether it's it's inside the building or or outside the building you know i i think one of the things that to understand where i'm coming from and wanting to put this on would be to sort of to understand what goes on in my head as you walk around on a on a regular basis um you know when when i walk into the grocery store um in my regular clothes um do people assume that I'm a teacher with a master's degree that, you know, runs a service club and, and does these extracurricular activities. And it's funny, right? Because you, you know, I don't, you know, when I'm in the grocery store, I don't assume anything about anyone. That, it's fine for you to say that, but what's the stereotype? What's the stereotype of Fishers, Indiana? And when I'm in the grocery store, do you really think of me as part of your community? And then that's any 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 minority base that that goes yeah. that goes there um i'm a really self-confident person right but this is the only area which is the one thing i can't control that you you second guess yourself about like am i like so i'm out for a run am i going to scare this person when i'm out for a run when right. i'm coming up behind them yeah you know what i'm saying and, and i don't and then if you do like what could you have done to even right. prevent that like, uh, do you cross the street before they do? Right, exactly. And here's the thing, and I'll be the first to admit, 99% of the time, the answer is no, I'm not going to scare that person. But something has happened that makes me answer 
that it makes me ask that question. And just the fact that this is something you have to think about it should be something that everybody puts in their mind, uh, especially every person at, who thinks they're white <laughs> th puts in their mind because that is the the thing is you have to think about that. But my thoughts, you know, as a white female is, is am I in a situation that's going to hurt me? Am I safe? Am I? Those are the thoughts that I have to. I never at any point in time enter my the color of my skin into my thought process. Yeah. Well, I, I don't. I mean, yeah. I maybe maybe I do in certain situations due to the information and the exposure I've had to different things. However, in general, people that that are in our community don't aren't willing to acknowledge that that if you have something that you cannot change about yourself, like your skin color. And then there are systems in place uh, that have been in place for hundreds of years, thousands, I would I would dare say, but that you have no control over, but yet you want to call them out. And then they're like, no, 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 not yet. I'm no. not comfortable. That's where this uh, to me, that's where this is an important thing. Um, this podcast is an important piece to give people the opportunity to that say I don't think that's right to hear like no you who are you to tell these people that their thoughts and the way they see things is wrong yeah Absol not, and absolutely you're not calling anybody else wrong either you're just saying this is the perspective that you're not hearing and you're not seeing and that's something that I hope listeners glean is that we're not saying you're well we might be saying some of the things are wrong because I mean, you live in the wrong until you know otherwise. Right. And our look, and, and bottom line is, are we asking the right questions? Right? There, you exactly. could you could dissect my you could dissect my um, uh, grocery store example all you want a hundred different ways and 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 justify it or qualify it, but there's questions we need to ask, right? Like, so this is the third building that I've been in in my career, and I've only been in three. Every building I've been in, I've been the only. Uh, the only male Hispanic teacher in any building wow. <laughs> that I've been in. Um, I have a master's degree in administration. Um, so the question is, like, obviously, I'm not the only smart Hispanic or Latino, right? No, so you're not. Where are Sorry the to tell <laughs> <you>. <laughs> my 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 brother reminds me of that all the time. <laughs> um, but no, like, wh where? Where are the others, right? Mm -hmm. So, and why, why, why are they not here? Mm -hmm. um, and there's probably countless answers, but those are the questions you have to ask. Yep. And then subsequently, you know, kind of, kind of figure out what assumptions do we really make about people, and and should those assumptions be addressed? We shouldn't shy away from asking those that those levels of hard questions. So that's what that the uh, podcast that we're going to be recording next will present. Yes, lots of hard questions, frank conversation, and look, it's it, there the the conversations at this level are designed where it's it's you know it's it's a safe place, um, you know, with with minority groups having having these conversations, and they're designed to to let the individual and it really should be for any any podcast that we do with any level of, of conversation when we're looking about stuff that deals with equity it's all about our opportunity to learn and if i'm talking if you're trying to tell me what it's like 
to be a, a female in, in a male-dominated building. Um, I should not be interrupting you. I should be listening. And the, the podcast provides us that opportunity. And it also provides the listener an opportunity that when their mind goes in, in, in the direction of, of justification or cause or self-discovery, hit pause. Hit, hit pause. Find someone that's listening to this and say, do you do that? Do I do that? Why do we do that? And, and then go back to the podcast and listen to more. Because um, you don't have to agree. You don't have to like it. You just have to know that this is what people think. And, and that's important in terms of understanding the whole of people or, or our community. I think that's a great ending spot. Love it. All right. I'm going to hit stop. Bye. That's Bye. Was fun.